What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back to the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined, as always, uh, by the three-time FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We're coming off the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Always a great day for racing. Uh, Matt, how was it for you? Did you have any DFS success? I played light for the Coke 600. I just haven't liked what I've been seeing uh, in terms of my reads on the cup series races this year. So I've been scaling back my, my, the amount that I've been dedicating my bankroll to this series. Agreed. Uh, I played relatively light both for Monaco and um, for Coke 600 because rain was in the forecast for Monaco and that tends to make for crazy things. And then just everything's been nuts with NASCAR this year. Um, Just, you know, they had 18 cautions in the Coke 600, and nearly a quarter of the race was run under uh, caution. So, yeah, I played fairly light. I basically broke even, which I'll take at this point. Um, same thing with F1, basically broke even, which, again, anytime I'm not donating money is a good is a good week there. Um, so, you know, there was that. Um, it's a very long Coke 600 think five hours and 13 minutes is what i saw yeah that's what it was according to racing reference um so yeah i mean it was a heck of a race right it was it was a show from start to finish which was awesome because that's all we've wanted to see on intermediate tracks for the last like four or five years and it was fantastic people were going everywhere um tires were they were falling off. I wouldn't necessarily say, yes, there was a few flat tires, but I wouldn't say that they were, like, the story of the race. I would say that they were controllably falling off, and a couple of guys had some issues with flat tires. Yeah, it wasn't just that. It was just uh, every driver yes. in the race had some form of an accident or contact, it, except for Ty Dillon. Except for Ty Dillon, yeah. So... This is kind of why we keep telling you, hey, watch out for Ty Dillon. He just seems to avoid these things. And sure enough, <laughs> he was the only one without an issue. Um, but it's also nice to see that if cars have issues, they can stay on the track. Right? Because way too many times in the last few years, you've seen a guy just touch a dude. And then all of a sudden, his tire goes down and his day's over just because he got one inch too close to a guy. Right? Now we saw, I mean... Kyle Busch spun in the first stage and then comes back and nearly wins the thing, right? Kyle Larson had what he said was the worst race of his life, and he wasn't even halfway through it. They had three penalties on pit road. He spun twice. Car literally caught fire. And yet, with 10 laps to go, he was in position to win the race and nearly won it, I think, twice in overtime restarts. So... That's that's a good sign that these cars can take a beating and keep going. And in uh, terms of keeping on going, we are turning our attention to a brand new track for the NASCAR Cup Series this year. They are going to Worldwide Technology Raceway, or as we will call it, Gateway. Uh, the race is in Illinois, but it's closer to St. Louis. The trucks race here almost consistently, uh, but, you know, if if there's a driver in the cup race that also has truck race experience. I'm not dwelling on it too much. Sure, it's it's helpful, uh, but it's a brand new track. It's a shorter track. It's kind of shaped like Darlington, but without the banking and tire wear of Darlington. I believe this track was just paved in 2017. 
Um, but it does have the the egg shape, but it's flat. So what kind of racing are you expecting this weekend? What tracks should we look at for comparisons? Yeah, so it's also a little, it's a touch shorter than Darlington, too, because one and a quarter miles per lap, Darlington's 1.33 for whatever we want to make that difference. Um, yeah, it is significantly less steep um, compared to Darlington. Uh, Gateway is only like 11 degrees in one set of corners and 9 degrees in the other set. Um, so in terms of comparable tracks, we're looking at shorter, flatter tracks. So we're going to be looking at New Hampshire. We're going to be looking at Phoenix. We're going to be looking at Richmond mainly. Uh, I could toss in there Nashville a little bit from last year. It's roughly the same size. It's fairly flat. Um, one and a third mile track. Now it is concrete. That does make a difference. Um, but the aero package that was on that car last year is fairly similar to the one that's on the next gen car. So we can sprinkle that in, uh, for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, those are generally, those are generally the tracks we're going to be looking at is Phoenix, Richmond, New Hampshire, um, and even potentially, uh, Nashville. Uh, in terms of scheduling this week for me, uh, truck and Xfinity playbooks will both be out Saturday morning. Uh, I know that's kind of a sh tight window for the truck race because the truck race is at one thirty in, uh, on gateway Xfinity series is running Portland. Uh, I don't know the name of the track off the top of my head, but it's a road it's, course. In it's Portland like Portland Oregon. international raceway or something. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I, it's a great a track. I'm not arguing that, but I don't get why NASCAR is sending those teams out there because there was someone online that was reporting the purse and 10th place gets 19 grand where it's going to take, it's going to cost $3,000 in fuel for every hauler to get out there and then $3,000 in fuel back. I just don't see why, how teams are looking, seeing this as like a, a positive or a profit. Yeah. The purse wasn't great. Bob Pockers put it out there. The total purse um, was, I think, a tenth of what the total purse is for the for the cup race, if I'm not mistaken. Um, something, you know, it's certainly a, a fractional amount of what the cup race is. Um, I get not having all three series race at Gateway at the same time. I'm not sure that it could hold enough haulers to run yeah. all three series at the same time. Um but it seems like you could tag team Portland next week when Cup is out in Sonoma and you're already sending groups of of teams out there, right? Like, they're already going to be out on the West Coast. Now, that being said, I do love the Portland uh, road course they're running. IndyCar runs there every year. It's always a great track. Um, but, yeah, the, the purses kind of suck, to be honest, so... Uh, and practice for Xfinity is not televised, so you're really just going to have to base it off of the results that we'll post in the playbook and in the Discord. Uh, so yeah, apologies. Uh, truck Xfinity playbooks up Saturday morning. The example lineups will be posted in the Discord. Uh, I'm not sure how heavy I'm going to play either series. The contests for both are kind of lacking. The happy hour for the truck race is... Uh, 20 entry max, $1 per lineup, so $20 to enter, but it's only 400 to first. Uh, the Xfinity Series race is a little more promising. Uh, $1 per entry, 20 entry max, it's 1000 to first. Um, but overall, I haven't really liked what I've seen from their single entry contest for both series, so it may just be a case where I'm only playing the happy hour for the next few weeks for both series. 
Uh, it's going to be looking like I'll play the Cup Series pretty heavy, but I will let you break down the Cup Series schedule for this weekend. Yeah, so we get a split practice and qualifying this week. We get practice on Friday, um, and then we get qualifying on Saturday morning. So that's kind of nice to see a little bit of a you know a gap there. Teams can kind of tweak a little bit of stuff, not not a whole lot because you know it is pretty much impound at this point. Um, and as Kyle Bush said, you know, yes, there are a bunch of guys in the field in the Cup race that have experience on Gateway, but once you know, with it being a normal practice weekend, <laughs> once they get some some practice time, he figures it's all going to even out. So. We'll get practice on Friday. We'll get qualifying Saturday, and the race is Sunday afternoon. I believe it's three thirty in the afternoon. Um, I posted the content schedule both on my Twitter account and in the Discord channel there this week. Um, so a little bit easier to spread some stuff out this week because there's no F1 race. Uh, we have to wait uh, a fortnight, as they say on the uh, across the pond, for another F1 race. Over at Azerbaijan, um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the schedule there for the Cup race. So track breakdown will be out Friday morning. Uh, this podcast will probably precede that, and then we'll get rankings Saturday, post qualifying playbook Saturday afternoon, lineups Sunday afternoon, and uh, betting piece will probably be out Friday on Pixwise. Do you want to just start with driver notes? Because there are two drivers of note yes. for this particular race. Uh, AJ Allmendinger is running both the Xfinity race in Oregon, and then he is also going to fly back or fly to St. Louis on Sunday to race in the Cup Series race. So he will not be able to practice or qualify the car. That will be done by Ben Rhodes. So wherever Rhodes qualifies, uh, Allmendinger will be scored from there, but he will have to drop to the rear. Uh, so keep that in mind. And then got some exciting news for Zane Smith. He's stepping into the 17. This actually surprised you before we jumped on. It was, it was, yes, like, it, it was it, nice to break some news. It broke, uh, I guess, late this afternoon. I was out most of this afternoon, uh, you know, with my kids at a park. The weather was nice here. Had play dates with some of their friends. Um, and then the Yankees uh, were busy trying to throw a perfect game there. So I got a little busy with that miss that Chris Buescher has tested positive for COVID. Uh, so he will miss this weekend, and thus Zane Smith will step in. Now, DraftKings, as far as, you know, as of this recording right now at about 1045 Eastern Thursday night, um, DraftKings has not released a price for Zane Smith yet. I'm sure he will be in the player pool. Um, Chris Buescher still has a price, but you will not get any points from playing Chris Buescher. So do not play Chris Buescher. Um, and in terms of A.J. Allmendinger, we are hoping that Ben Rhodes qualifies pretty poorly. Uh, and then Allmendinger gets in the car and feels comfortable and starts moving up. Because if Ben Rhodes, let's say he qualifies, I don't know, 20th or 22nd, somewhere in there, that's not going to be great for Allmendinger because he's going to start in the back but be scored from 20th so or wherever you know Rhodes starts. So. You're going to want, if you want to play Allmendinger, you're going to want Ben Rhodes to suck it up in, in qualifying. All right, let's get started. Uh, how do you want to lead off uh, this race? Like, I don't know where to begin for a race that the Cup Series hasn't run. I know that there are drivers in this field that have done laps here, but 
as Kyle Bush alluded to, it's not going to matter once we get practice and qualifying. Um, right. It's a short. Let's start with let's start with Kyle Bush. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I mean, he's when you think of short flat tracks or just flat yeah. tracks in general, you think of Joe Gibbs Racing. So he is someone that I will naturally uh, give plenty of attention to for DFS purposes. Yeah, I mean, he had he had a pretty decent uh, Richmond race, not outstanding, but. You know, started third, finished ninth, 24 fastest laps. Not terrible, but still put up 40 DK points. Um, clearly going to want a little bit more than that because now he's $1,000 more this week <clears> than he was at Richmond. Um, and Phoenix, he was okay. But if you look recently, they have really started to find the speed in that car since Richmond. Um, in fact, I believe um, if you take out... Um, the all-star race or oh no if you take out darlington in which he had a flat tire and then powdered his way through through pit road uh his average finish since richmond is like 4.6 so he's finishing strong he's got speed in the car the last several weeks he's been leading a bunch of laps so yeah and you know for what it's worth he did win here back in 2009 (laughs) with the trucks yeah, I mean, heck, Kevin Harvick <laughs> won here twice in 2000 and 2001, for what it's worth. Dear Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say, I'm would say uh, i I'm a fan of Kyle Busch this week. I like him at the price tag now, obviously. We're still going to need him to go out and lead laps. Laps led is going to be tricky this week. There's 240 of them in the race. Um, but that's still enough to get a differentiator in a laps led kind of way. I mean, think about Phoenix, right? There's 312 laps of Phoenix. We still go out and target laps yeah. led there. So, um, let me ask your opinion on Kyle Larson this week. What are we doing with him? Well, I mean, as always, it comes down to where he, you know, practices and qualifies and, and how he looks. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at this year's uh, racing reference results for both Richmond and Phoenix. Uh, at Richmond, driver rating of 88.3, and he finished fifth, which tells me that didn't have the best car, so he had some luck to really get into that finishing position. Only had nine fastest laps, zero laps led. Uh, I don't remember what happened to him at Phoenix, but I'm guessing his he- car blew up. Okay, that explains. Okay, so he because he only completed 239 laps. He did Um, decently fast before it blew up, but that might be why it blew up. I mean, it's gonna take just getting eyeballs on him during practice, seeing where he qualifies. Obviously, if he's out, if he can start on the front row and he's a candidate for dominator points, then I'll look that way. Uh, But truthfully, uh, he just hasn't really looked like a driver that I'm willing to pay. $11,300 $11,300 for on DraftKings. I mean, his last uh, four races, not, I mean, I'm leaving out the All-Stars, but he's been priced over 11 k um, And he's been starting at the front, you know. Obviously, he was insane chalk last week because he started 36. Then he did get dominator points. And as you said, he almost won the race despite him having an absolutely craptastic car. Um, I really need to see something from him to have a ton of confidence in playing him this week. But as of right now, I'm probably going to be underweight. Yeah, I, I'm feeling the same way, right? He got the benefit of the doubt that it was a 
400 lap race last week. Mm-hmm. Through the first 200 laps, that team had no clue what the hell they were doing. And if that's the case this week, there's only 40 laps left in the race after that. So um, I just get leery of him at this price point right now because, yes, he did hit value last week, like seven, seven and a half X, something like that. But a huge chunk of that came from the fact that he moved up from 36 and finished ninth. So that's, you know, 25, 27 points right there from that. So if you take away the PD, he was barely cracking 5X at that price point. So I'm kind How do you of feel about the wrist? How do you feel about the rest of JGR? Like I'm on board with Denny Hamlin. Um, I feel like they've figured things out with that car. Now he won last week's race and didn't really dominate it, uh, but he looked great at Richmond earlier in the year when winning that race. Um, I, I really want to get behind Martin Truex Jr. I feel like they there should be speed in that car. If you look at what he did at Dover, which is not a comparable track. But he only led five laps in the 56 fastest laps. That just tells me that naturally the car was fast and he was able to move up. But, you know, we're not getting great finishes from him at this price tag. And it's becoming awfully difficult for him to justify targeting him as a dominator unless he's starting on the front row. Um, And I would now at Richmond, though, he did have a great race. He started six, finished fourth, 34 fastest laps and led 80. So there is that little nugget hanging out there for MTJ at Richmond. What about at Phoenix? Phoenix? Phoenix was not good, but he had some he had some car trouble, I believe, because he finished thirty fifth, and he wasn't like I don't think he was naturally a thirty fifth place car. I just think he had car pit trouble. I I can't. I'll, I'll give you that because earlier this year it was a struggle for JGR to really figure out these cars, and we're almost four months in and, and they're hitting their stride. Yeah. Uh, well, you say that though, but like if you look at MTJ, it seems like he had speed early this year. And then in the last several races, it's not shown up because in the last several races, like Coke 612th, not counting the all-star race. Then he was sixth at Kansas, but he started ninth. Darlington 24th. Uh, Dover, even though he had 56 fastest laps, still only finished, only finished 12th. 12th. Um, Talladega is kind of a, you know, crap show. He finished fifth. Great. Dirt race. He only moved up nine spots. Uh, Martinsville, a track he normally dominates, finished 22nd. Right. But before that, he was reeling off top tens and top 15. So it seems like he had the speed early and then they didn't like it didn't carry through when the rest of the team figured out how to find speed. I don't know. It's, to me, Truex is the fourth JGR guy right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably agree putting Bell over the, over him, especially... Uh, I might put Bell over Hamlin. Really? Yeah. In terms of DFS, like, in terms of on-track performance, it's Denny Hamlin. But in terms of DFS, I would I would lean Christopher Bell. I would say that in a GPP, I'll take Hamlin. In cash, I would take Bell. If that's even that seems okay. a little weird to say, but I'm just looking at 
like Bell has five straight. Well, I guess it's four straight top tens. I'm not going to count the all-star race, but he finished fifth last week. He was fifth at Kansas. He was sixth at Darlington. He was fourth at Dover. Um, at Richmond, he was sixth. He led 63 laps. Uh, didn't finish Phoenix very well. He started fourth and finished 26. And I remember that was a race that I was actually pretty heavy on him. Uh, but overall, when I do think of like shorter flat tracks and the gateway's not even like a super duper short track, it's, you know, a mile and a quarter, but no, still, but, I mean, he has one here though. Yeah. Like it's, whatever it's, a, it's worth. I mean, there's like I, literally a quarter of the field is one here. So it's, you know. Yeah. So I'll take Bell over Truex. I think we might just agree in where we rank, you know, Hamlin and, and Bell in relation to each other. Um, I'm just but, saying in terms of better shot at hitting value. It's Bell. I'll take Bell. A, he's cheaper. But B, he's been, in my mind, the last several races more consistent than Hamlin. So, like, I know Hamlin has had the speed and he's pointed this out, but, like, he just doesn't have the results. Like, yes, they've been coming the last two races, not including the all-star race where he finished second and then whined about the Blaney's window net. Like, the Coke 600, yeah, he started on the pole and won it. Okay, but he didn't do anything in between. He didn't even hit 5x value. Right. <laughs> he got two fastest, two fastest laps in a 400 and something lap race and 15 laps led from the pole in a track that three of the last five Coke 600s had generated the pole sitter leading 200 or more laps. So that's my only hesitation with Hamlin is yes, he can talk about how fast he is all he friggin' wants to, but the results for DFS do not bear that out. All right. We already talked about Kyle Larson, but what's the approach going to be for the rest of HMS? I'm not like, super excited, but I'm a little interested. In I'm pretty excited about Chase Elliott. Okay. Why? He was very fast last week, and that was just bad luck what happened to him, right? He hit the wall less hard than anybody else who stayed in that race. It just so happens he hit it at the right spot to break his suspension, and then a caution came out as he was trying to get to minimum speed, which then didn't reset the crash clock for some stupid reason. And thus, he had to exit the race to his disbelief. That car was fast, though, before. Like, he put up 26 fastest laps and 86 laps led and was, like, legit on the track for half the race. So, yes, did he only put up 20? Damn good. Sure, but that's because he got hammered on PD because he started yeah. 13th and finished 33rd. But if you look at the green flag speed, the true speed, the pit crew has figured it out. That car was fast. Um, and it, and it, Richmond, he was decent. I mean, I'm not going to say he was great. He was decent. And he did have 36 fastest laps and 50 laps led at Phoenix despite finishing 11th. So I'm more intrigued by Chase Elliott than Kyle Larson for sure. And you'll take the discount. I'm a little excited about William Byron. I mean, the yeah. results haven't been great lately. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like last year he went on this incredible run of uh, like finishes in the top 10, and that has not been the case lately. 
but there has been speed in the car at various tracks. He collected dominator points uh, at Darlington. They did it at Kansas. Uh, he won Martinsville, which I don't. I've I know some touts and some folks in the industry might compare Martinsville to Gateway just based on like the flatness of the track and everything. Right, but That's even fine. if we're gonna like go with. Even if we go at Richmond, he still led 122 exactly. laps at Richmond, and he finished third. And had to, it took a miracle drive from the from the JGR guys to go catch him late yeah. in that race. So, so yeah, I'm I'm with you. The top two guys for Hendrick for me are Chase and Byron, and they could be interchangeable at this point. But Bowman is back to the point where he's going to have to show me something because he's just like. He's, He's doing what cream. I give Kevin Harvick credit for, which is finishing in the top 10. <clears throat> but Alex Bowman has been more expensive than Kevin Harvick, and he's been starting closer to the front than Kevin Harvick. So top 10 finishes when you're starting eighth don't help you. Uh, let's move on to Penske, and we'll start with the cover boy for this week's podcast, Ryan Blaney. Been kind of a ho-hum year, aside from the all-star race. Um not a ton of great finishes. However, uh, at Phoenix, he started on the pole. He led 143 laps with 52 fastest laps, and he finished fourth. Then we moved to Richmond, started on the pole again, finished seventh, but he led 128 laps with 23 fastest laps. Which was good to see because he's previously said that Richmond is a terrible track for him. Yes, and so if I'm seeing a guy in this new car qualifying on the pole for two comparable tracks— Tracks that he arguably wasn't great at previously, and right. then he went out and led a buttload of laps. Then I'm I'm going to get on board and get as much ownership as I can. If he's especially if he's on the front row this week, I can't guarantee that because we haven't even seen practice or qualifying. But Ryan Blaney is easily a guy that a lot of people in the industry will flock to. Yeah, and we're getting him at a discount too. He's nine six, so he's not yep. even over. I mean, he is more than he was at the Coke 600. He's 500 bucks more on DK. Um, you know, and it's the most he's been since he was 10-3 at Dover. Um, had a driver but, rating of 116 at Richmond and 131 at Phoenix. Yeah, and I mean, between... So if we go Phoenix, Atlanta, Coda, Richmond. He started first, second, first, first. And remember, those are all qualifying sessions. Yeah. That's not points. That's not rained out and adjusted. So he's got speed, and <clears throat> we're kind of expecting this to be a tougher track to pass on. If I if I remember correctly from the – well, I mean, trucks, they race so much differently. But it seems like you can hold the lead here reasonably well if you have a fast enough car. Um. So if he's on the pole, I would expect some laps led early in the race, if not throughout. So, yeah, I, I am a big uh, proponent of Ryan Blaney this week. Uh, what's your read on Joey Logano? I, I have mean, no it, idea. I don't either. The only reason I'm talking myself onto him is really it's like when we get these new tracks uh, yep. introduced on schedule, he, he somehow shows up and – can get a good run. Um, but other than You've that, been on that narrative all season and it's worked. Well, for the most part, it worked at the Coliseum. 
Um, yeah, it I worked pretty well at dirt. I mean, it was a repeat, but it's still only the second year at dirt, and he finished yeah, third. He won it last year, but he's yeah, <sighs> he held in there at Atlanta on a new track, well, new track and format, and so I'm mean, I. I don't know what to make of him right now. Like, he shows up on the weeks that I don't expect him to show up, and then he doesn't show up on the weeks I expect him to show up. Yeah. Right? Like, I had no... I I don't recall playing very much of him at, at Darlington, and all of a sudden he shows up and leads 107 laps. Right? And he hasn't been above... If you count an actual race this year... He hasn't been above 12 laps led in, or sorry, 14 laps led in any other race aside from Darlington's 107. Hmm. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, should we just gloss over Cindric? Um Probably. I mean, I hate 6,800 and it's great equipment. And he did look really fast for a while in the Coke 600, for what it's worth. A completely different track, but... He did look like a top five car. Um, but yeah, I mean, at Richmond, it wasn't great. At Phoenix, it wasn't great. I just think he's still learning his way through the Cup Series, which is fine. Yep. <clears throat> Perfectly fine. But yeah, I, I mean, a GPP dart, sure. Uh, I guess we can pivot to SHR a team that we do like to target a few short flat track drivers. Um, I mean, we'll start with Kevin Harvick um, driver rating of 111 at Phoenix started 16th, finished six had 20 fastest laps in that race. Then at Richmond started seventh, finished second, only 11 fastest laps, but still had a driver rating of 109.4. Um, if we're just going based off track history, you know, he's been great at Phoenix, Um you know, at, over his last six races at Richmond, average and New Hampshire too. By the way, didn't eight point seven? Yep, average finish of. Uh, well, we're talking about Harvick. I'm gonna roll one last year's. Yeah, I'm gonna roll one last year, but Harvick won the year before. Uh, but Harvick won in 2019 and 2018, uh, even 2016, and he's consistently up front there. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, it feels like it's a good track to once again target Kevin, target Kevin Harvick. Um, I think his ceiling is kind of what we saw last week, though. Yeah. Where he does need chaos and certain things to happen because I, I don't have much faith in him going out and winning the race. But he has still has top ten upside, arguably top seven or eight upside as well. Actually, no, top ten is like a relatively good floor for a guy like Harvick. He just goes out and he can pull off a solid finish. And the price tag at eighty five hundred is more than playable for DFS. Yeah. For sure, that's a perfect that's a perfect way to say it. I mean, he like let's so at Phoenix, he was ninety three hundred, started sixteen, finished six, twenty fastest laps. That's fifty seven DK points. Richmond started seventh, finished second, eleven fastest laps. That's fifty two DK points at eight thousand. That's basically what we can expect from him, right? I mean, he put up fifty six DK points last week without any fastest laps or laps led. And he was 8,000. So, you know, you would love to see him. At this point, I don't even mind if he's starting inside the top 10 because I think he's proven he can hold it. So, 
you know, I, I'm still I'm still a fan of Kevin Harvick. The guy's going to muscle the car into the top ten any chance he gets. Uh, short flat track. I need to stop calling this a short track. It's not a short track, but flat tracks. Uh, Eric Almarola, kind of our darling on these these types of tracks. The issue with Almarola this week this year on these flatter tracks is that he's been qualifying way too high. He qualified fifth at Phoenix, tenth at Toyota, uh, Toyota Richmond. He was even on the front row for Martinsville. So it's like you know we're okay playing Almarola if he's starting from like. 15th, 18th, offering a ton of PD. You can get exposure to Eric Almarola on flat tracks. But when he's qualifying inside the top 10, he just doesn't become a very good DFS player. No, because the odds of him holding it uh, pretty slim. And for every spot he's going to move backwards, he's going to cost you not only finish position points, but PD points. So I'm right there with you. It's all going to come down to where he qualifies. Um, if he has a ho-hum qualifying session, then he's playable. If it's really bad, he's going to be chalk. If it's in the top 10, I don't think he's playable. Are you interested in Briscoe this week? I am. Because of what I he know. did at Phoenix and then Richmond? Yeah, and I know that he's getting <clears throat> kind of a, a reputation for the guy who, if he can't make a pass, full sends it and hopes that he can use you as a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, he did it to Tyler Reddick on the dirt, and he did it to... Tried to do it to Larson at the end of uh, with two laps to go there at the Cook 600 last week. Um, but look, the guy, you can't deny what the guy has done so far. Um, it, I mean, Richmond was a so-so race, right? We would have liked to see more from him. Started fourth, didn't exactly hold it because he finished 11th and only put up three fastest laps. But Phoenix started sixth, won it led over 100 laps and 40 fastest laps. So I think this style of track suits him. If I recall, he did pretty decently at it in the truck series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And, you know, I think the SHR cars, we can pick and choose their spots right now. Mm -hmm. And Briscoe is a guy that is kind of starting to find his spots for you to play him. Uh, do you think it's a good week to play Ross Chastain? Uh, I know earlier in the year he was ripping off top three finishes, and but I mean last week the car was very fast, 66 fastest laps and 153 laps led in the Coke 600. Only finished 15th, but whatever. When you're getting over, when you're getting that kind of domination, um, you're gonna be fine for DFS. Uh, yeah. But he still uh, put up 103 points and only moved up seven spots. Right. He is now 10K on DraftKings, which is where he probably should have been for many weeks now. But do you still think that he'll he's a good play on a flatter track? Looked good at Phoenix earlier in the year where he started 17th, finished second. Um, but then at Richmond, started eighth, finished 19th. Not a really great day. Um, I don't know. I've been thinking he should be over $10,000 just based on what we've seen in terms of speed. And I know I'm probably still going to get my fair share of him because we've seen him go out and dominate an absolutely crush a race. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'd really like to see what track house shows up with because he won here in the truck series not too long ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
it's one thing to be playing a guy you believe should be 10K who's not 10K. It's another to play him when he is 10K and you think he should be 10K, <laughs> right? Because you no longer have the built-in salary savings uh, that you anticipate. Does it change the way I view Ross Chastain? Maybe a little, if I'm honest. Like, he's been that good. I'm not yeah. saying he hasn't been. He's been that good. He led 153 laps in Charlotte last week. Um, but I'm going to have to see what he shows up with because, like you said, on the on the flatter tracks this year, it's been a little bit more hit and miss, right? Like, even at Martinsville, if we want to comp that one, he started 27th and finished 5th, 17 fastest laps. That was That's a good points day, mostly from PD, though, yeah. right? Um, so... I don't know. It's going to come down to what I see from them on the track, probably, because if you're talking 10K, he's now only $200 cheaper than Chase Elliott, and he's $200 more expensive than Byron. So, and he's $400 more than Blaney, who we just had dominated both Richmond and Phoenix uh, decently well, and, you know, whatnot. So, it's He's getting into a price point where you need him to dominate to justify the price point. And so it's going to, we need to see the speed in the car before I'm willing to sign off on that price point. I am trying to find anybody in this value tier to really look at, talk about. How about Todd Gilliland, who's fresh off racing uh, here last year in the truck series? That's fine. Uh, Gilliland in the truck series in 2018 and 2019, he was the runner up. Uh, I remember, I, I really do remember this one particular truck series race in 2020 because Gilliland looked awesome for the entire first two stages. He finished first in both stages, led 75 laps. Uh, and then I think there was a penalty or something. Anyway, he finishes outside the top 20, but I also remember it because it was a race that Sam Mayer almost won. Um, produced some very exciting racing overall. But Gilliland in the truck series, whether it was the KBM equipment or the front row motorsports equipment, has looked very good here. Uh, Now, I don't really want to dwell on that too much, but I've also said a few times that Todd Gilliland is not a driver that should be priced as a backmarker at 4,900. He finished 16th last week in the Coke 600. I know he wasn't great at Kansas, but, I mean, he was 4,900 and still put up 23 points. I'll take that. Uh, Darlington, he finished 15th and put up another 40-point performance. So I like playing Gilliland because I'll be totally happy if he gets me that 4X value at this price tag. But I also know he can go out and get, you know, 30 to 40 points if there's a little bit of chaos. And this is a track that he has recent experience on, especially with the repave. Um I mean, I'm going to go here just because of the discount more so than the overall experience, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. It's all about maximizing who we can get into lineups. So, for example, I'm building this lineup right now just based off of the guys that we've talked about, right? We like Chase Elliott this week. We like Blaney this week. Harvick, Chastain. If you put Todd Gilliland in that lineup, you have $6,800 left for the last spot, which gives you starts at Sindrick, Baba, can't play Busher because he's out. 
Um, but it's Cole super Custer. contrarian to play Busher, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. If every driver beneath Busher somehow gets negative points, Busher's a great play at zero points. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's not great, but let's say we take out Chase, right? And we put in... I don't know. You were. Let's just go with with Christopher Bell instead. Now all of a sudden we're up to seventy eight hundred bucks. That gives us Briscoe. If you put Todd Gilliland in a lineup, you can get Christopher Bell, Blaney, Harvick, Gilliland, Chastain, and Briscoe. That's not terrible. Pretty good. So that's the advantage of of Gilliland, right? All he has to do is basically finish decently and and we're talking it's worth it. So, you you know, we've got that. We're going to have to see where Zane Smith comes in. Um, Parker Kligerman. Can we talk about him for a minute? We can. Guy that just gets the most out of his equipment, but it's just not good equipment this week. And for the most part, that's the case with Kligerman almost every week. Right. But, you know, I like playing him in the truck series because he goes out. I think he drives for, like, Henderson Motorsports on a yes. top on a part-time schedule always feels like a great play and he gets the most out of his ride and he should have a full-time ride in the truck series at the very least. Um, good driver, but that's what you're paying for this week. You're not paying for the equipment. No, the, the last time he was in the cup series, I believe was Kansas last year and he finished 20th right now. It's Rick Ware equipment this time. And I believe it's being set up by Rick Ware. I don't think it's an SHR setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little, that's a little risky, but Kligerman's skill is what you're paying for, right? If that car stays clean, there's a decent chance of a decent finish. That's not sexy, but at 5,800 bucks might be all the light you need to see. I know we're kind of going off the rails here, um, which tends to happen when we're just kind of like, I don't know. Floundering or floundering around in the value tier. I don't really understand how Brad Keselowski's price tag went up to seventy one hundred, and I have been championing for. for can for I just can, can I just say he was not the GPP play that that he was made out to be? No, he was not. I mean, was, come on, Matt. He was sixty six hundred starting thirty fifth. And who would have thought he would have only moved up five spots? Yeah. Uh, 17 points was terrible. I don't know. No. But at Richmond, he finished 13th. He did finish 13th at Richmond and had uh, 10 fastest laps somehow. I don't know how that car put together 10 fastest laps. I think everybody in, else was on pit road. In one race. <laughs> uh, that's kind of a miracle in and of itself. But I will say, if we look at a couple of guys just above Kislowski, Stenhouse and Austin Dillon have been intriguing. Austin Dillon does really interest me because his price went down, and I don't get it. Well, and he almost made a phenomenal move to win that race. Like, going from fifth to first on the final restart there, it did not work for him, but that was a heck of a move to try and pull. And he just is a guy who... He's just been hanging out and knocking off top tens. When you least expect it to. Like, he did it at Richmond. Right. He did it at Martinsville. Didn't do it at uh, Phoenix. Can't be perfect every week. Uh, but, yeah, like, there's 
there's not a ton of win equity with Austin Dillon, especially at not at a super speedway. But yeah. there's top ten and, and arguably like we've seen him be a slate breaking kind of play for a GPP. Yeah, he certainly has has done that. Now, is he going to get you laps led? No, he's nope. led a grand total of two laps all season. Uh, is he going to get you a decent amount of fastest laps? Probably not. The only time we saw him do that was Martinsville, and that car was ridiculous at Martinsville. Um, but if all you need from him is a solid finish, that's what he's that's what he's capable of right now. Um, I still wouldn't put him in a cash game lineup. I would still hold him for GPPs. But he is capable of putting up some pretty nice numbers right now. Uh, just given just given the equipment. What's uh what's your read on Bubba Wallace this week? I really, really like to here's the thing. <clears throat> His car has been fast. Yes. They've had a killer setup on the intermediates. <sighs> was not great at Richmond, uh, nor was he very good at Phoenix, which you know we're comparing to those tracks. But Toyota is getting a very good read on these cars, and I know his pit crew is still not very good. They were better, though. They were better. They were better. I didn't pay too much attention uh, (laughs) to the They did not cost him penalties or spots on pit road during the Coke 600, so that's an improvement. Um, He did, if I'm not mistaken, win here in the truck series. I'm trying to look at his truck. Like that's a while this. ago, obviously, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's good. It's so hard out. because, like, to, knowing that the the Toyotas are figuring out this car and that they've been fast the last couple of weeks, and you're getting him at 6,700, and Kurt Busch is probably a decent play too at 8,200, but Bubba, if he's starting in the teens i'm pretty interested for gpps because like the car has been pretty fast yeah it's just one of these days like there is going to be a really good result i didn't pay too much attention to him for the coke 600 um i heard a lot of people say like they thought he had top it was a top 10 car he was absolutely a top five car at kansas yeah Um, he got caught up in that i mean he was running in the top five there for a little while he was running in the top 10 for for a decent chunk. And then he got caught up in that um in that absolute like big one uh that took out like thirteen cars or whatever. Um so I don't know. I mean that's the early lay of the land for me for Gateway. There I don't know what to do about Tyler Reddick this week. Oh, God. Uh, his luster is worn off for me. Um, kind of. Do you still think he gets a win this year? I think he does. Miami? Miami would be spectacular. The battle that he and Larson are going to put on at Miami in this car is going to be spectacular. Who can run closer to the wall? Yeah. <laughs> um, and as long as one of them doesn't forget which lap is the final lap of the race <laughs> it'll be an even better better ending there um 
But I don't know what to do with, with Reddick. I mean, he's a reasonable price, but. Hey, it's only Thursday. We haven't even seen practice or qualifying. We can yeah, figure this I'm out. I'm not telling you not to play anybody aside from Chris Buescher. <laughs> Definitely uh, don't play Chris. I'm not going to take him out of my driver pool. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week for Gateway and uh, I don't know Portland as well. And best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.